I'm a follower of Jesus. It's the most important thing in my life. The most healing, healthy thing for the human brain is a belief in God and prayer. Okay, so we've talked a little bit about church, Christianity, all that sort of thing that maybe uh, we've been misled over the years and, and now find ourselves in this place, maybe because we've not completely done it God's way. We've done it our way. And uh, if you ever had the choice of that, would you rather do something God's way or your way? Uh, my choice would be your way. So, let's switch gears a little bit. Um, well, no, let, let me add one thing first. The Bible talks about stay in balance. Okay, this is from the Old Testament. It says, stay in balance. Because the adversary, Satan, is roaming about like a roaring lion, and the root of that is a cunning, ferocious lion. Not only powerful, but very smart and intelligent. Stay in balance, because your adversary the devil is roaming about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Okay? Satan wants your life. Alright? And... and God, in Scripture, will not let him do that, okay? We're, we're familiar with life or death. But evidently, God told Satan, I'm not going to let you just kill them, all right? But he does, God does allow Satan to tempt us through our mind, through our feelings. Uh, I don't know what uh, all other ways they're not specified in Scripture. But he does have the ability and approval from God to tempt us. And what is the temptation? The Bible says that Satan is the father of lies. That he's a liar and the father of of lies. Well, what does that mean, father of lies, in that language and context? It basically means, just like God is love and all love flows from God, that Satan is the father of lies and lies flow from him. So Satan's number one tool to get your life is not to kill you. It's to trick you. All right? And it's my opinion that Satan is probably smarter and wiser, at least in the criminal uh, definition of that word, than I am, than you are, than probably any of us. He's been around uh, thousands, millions of years. He was, he was very highly regarded in heaven before he was thrown out of heaven for his rebellion. All right? But he was a beautiful one, one close to God, like a, 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 not a right-hand man, that would be Jesus, but maybe a third man or, or third next to him, okay? So very highly regarded, evidently very intelligent, 
all of that stuff. So stay in balance. So that passage is saying the way he'll get you with your lies is if he can get you off balance. All right? And another word for that, off balance, when it's not physical, is the word confusion. And it also says he is the father of confusion. All right? Uh, when you're confused, you make bad choices. Or you end up making a hasty choice that ends up not being the best one for you. All right? So, if that's true, then the thing that is most detracting right now from your life, from your health, from your relationships, from your success, from your happiness, is that you are believing lies and possibly about some of them not knowing you're believing them, and believing those lies is causing confusion and causing you to make the wrong choice, either as an act that you do outwardly or what you think about mentally and physically. Okay? It was interesting to me that um, I was doing some research years ago on uh, hormones and, and brain states and things like that. And if the hypothalamus flips the success, what I call the success switch, okay, you experience in your feelings, in your emotions, in your thoughts, love, joy, peace, forgiveness, kindness, uh, self-worth, uh, and you can't stop it, all right? That switch has been flipped, and that's what you're going to feel, think, and believe. If, on the other hand, the hypothalamus switches, flips the failure switch, which is also the stress switch and the fear switch, when you're, in a not, when you're not in a life-threatening situation, it's supposed to go off in a life-threatening situation. But it, when, it's, when you're not, and the hypothalamus flips that switch, you experience anxiety, anger... Uh, selfishness, irritation, frustration, sadness, depression, hopelessness, rejection, I'm not good enough, on and on and on. And you can't stop that. The switch has been flipped. The only way to change it is to get the hypothalamus to flip the switch the other way. Well, it's searching for love or fear. If it, if it picks up love, like your smartphone, it flips the success switch. If it picks up fear, it flips the failure switch. And not from your external circumstances, only if that's a life-threatening situation. From your internal circumstances, from your heart and mind, all right? Uh, generationally, unconscious, subconscious, and conscious. Okay. So, I believe that's where Satan comes at us. He lies to us, either, either through our own thoughts or through things that we inherit from our ancestry or that sort of self-talk. Some, maybe sometimes that self-talk, should I do this or that? Maybe, maybe it really is a little bit like, you know, the angel on one shoulder and the demon on the other old thing. Maybe one of those voices or, or interjecting into one of those voices is Satan lying to me, trying to get me to make the fear-based choice so that I get anger, unforgiveness, etc. instead of love, joy, peace. 
because he doesn't want what's best for me. He's an angry, selfish dude, all right? He wants to hurt me and my family, all right? Well, the trick of Satan's, I believe, is that when I hear that temptation, that voice, it is in my voice, not someone else's. I mean, if that voice I heard that causes me to consider the wrong course of action or do it or have a thought that is not true at all, but for some reason I end up believing it, well, if that voice was like, Alex, you need to do this. You need to choose the fear thing. Well, I wouldn't buy that for a second, right? But when it's in my voice, when it sounds like it's me, then I listen and I weigh it. And maybe that is Satan's number one go-to trick to speak to you, tempt you, give you false reasoning and logic that is not from God and it's not from you. But you accept it as yours because it's, it sounded like my voice. It sounded like my thought. Okay? And based on that choice, starting with just tiny, tiny little things, we end up in a place where in Genesis, I believe it's five, maybe the first time the heart is mentioned in the Bible, it says that the heart of man is inclined toward evil from his youth. You see, God has to give us a choice. If the point of this whole thing is, is to choose love, if that's the point of life, and I believe it is, and the point of eternity, and I believe it is, God is lonely, I'll make me a man. And because he loved me so much, he did the thing that was most painful to him to pay the price for me. So both of those reasons I'm here and that God has paid my price for success, health, etc. Both of those reasons, all of those reasons, is love. Well, love cannot exist unless there's a choice not to love. If you have no choice, or if your feeling and inclination is 99.9% love, 0.1% fear, well, that's an easy choice, which means it probably wasn't much of a choice. But when it feels more or less equal, I can choose the wrong or the right. I can choose fear or love. I can, but fear has a big pull. That's when it, that's when it becomes my choice and my thoughtful, meditative, prayerful, intense choice for my life, knowing that I'm in a war, I'm in a battle, but I'm not the one supposed to win it. God says if I'll give the battle to him, he will win it for me and through me. Okay. Well, here's the amazing thing. If the hypothalamus flips the success switch, I have these things called hormones that are released, the hypothalamus sends a message to the pituitary, the pituitary to the adrenal, and I have energy signals and physical liquid hormones dripped 
into my body all at the same time. And I feel love, joy, peace. My body de-stresses. My immune system comes up and starts healing stuff. Uh, I feel good about myself, or at least better. I feel good about others. I tend to be kind, tend to be glass half full instead of glass half empty. And all that happens automatically, really without even trying, when this works the way it's supposed to. But on the other hand, and, and, and the chemicals it releases, oxytocin, endorphins, peptides, things that just make you, you know that feeling when you're first in love and you feel like, I don't need any sleep. I can go three days with no sleep, man. I'm Superman. All right? That's, those are the hormones. Those are the chemicals that get released when the love switch is flipped. How long has it been since you felt that? When the negative switch is flipped, the fear-based switch, what's released is basically the opposite. It's adrenaline, cortisone, which if your life is in immediate danger, helps. You run faster, fight harder, and maybe save your life. But if you're not in that situation, you go into adrenaline cortisol overdose, where the first thing that happens is your immune system is turned off or down, and you feel negative thoughts, negative feelings, negative chemicals in your bloodstream. And so many people these days, by about 35, are feeling tired all the time, like their life is not what they wanted it to be, etc., etc., etc. And I would say, to a great extent, those same feelings carry over to what we call church. All the buildings and denominations and our brand and your brand and everything else. Okay? Well, uh, Galatians 1, I believe it is, Paul says, Who has bewitched you into believing another gospel? Man, that's pretty strong language. The gospel had just come, and Jesus had died for it, and so had uh, many Christians already. Who's bewitched you into believing another gospel? What were they doing? They were going back to rules and regulations. You have to do it this way. You can't do it this way. You have to do it this way. You can't do it this way. We won't accept you unless you do this, 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 this. Uh, you know, this is how our group, our club, however you want to say that, is going to work. And Paul says, no, it is for freedom that Christ set you free. And like my favorite preacher, one of them, who said, God tells us what to do, but he tells us how to do almost nothing. And the point is, it's up to us. All right? And, and, and Jesus said, you can sum the whole law up in one thing. Love. You do that, you've done it all. You, you, you truly love God and other people, which would include myself too. You truly do that. You have kept the whole entire law because the whole entire law is summed up in that. Okay. Well, Satan tempts us toward fear, which causes the, the, the failure switch to be flipped and all the negative stuff. God offers us, not forces, that would be having no other choice, offers us, having already paid for it, love for the best health I can have, the most success I can have, the happiest I can be, the best relationships I can have. 
all right? And it is a day-to-day -day choice, a hundred times a day, and yeah, maybe one time a dramatic choice or commitment. Yeah, I've thought about it, I've meditated, I've weighed, and I've taken it very, very seriously, and I commit to live this way. The love way or the fear way, all right? And now, most people, unless they've heard me talk or somebody else like this, they don't ever do that in their life. They just get up in the morning and keep repeating the same things. And it's easy for Satan. He keeps tempting us in the same ways and getting us the same ways. All right? So, Paul says, no, do not go back to the system of law where I do good, I get good. If I do bad, I get bad. I've got this percentage I've got to live up to that I'm probably not. And, you know, I'm in constant stress. I do good, I feel good about me. I do bad, I feel bad about me. And no, no, no. That system would never work. That was really God's plan B. He knew it would never work. He said he gave it to us so that sin would increase to prove to us that will never work. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is the fear-based system. The old law. That's the fear-based legal system that Paul is saying, who has bewitched you into going back to that? that this is the solution. That was never the solution. This is God's plan A. Uh, I'm going to hit... I know I've already talked about this, but real quick... And then that perfectly correlates with what Paul said to the Corinthian church when they were about to split over the three issues, meat sacrifice to idols, circumcision, and holy days. And Paul comes in and doesn't say what any of them want him to say. He doesn't say you're right or he doesn't say you're right. He says, it doesn't matter. Do whatever you want. Be circumcised or not. Eat the meat or not. As long as it doesn't make a, someone else stumble. Do whatever you want, but the one thing you have to do is keep loving each other. That you have to do. That's the law. That's the new law. That's the rule. And then John later says the people who are true followers of Jesus, and I would, I would posit today that that doesn't mean just because you call yourself a Christian or goes into a building with a certain name on it, that does not necessarily mean he's talking about you. The ones who are true followers of Jesus, you will know them by their love. Hard question. How do people know you? When they think of you, do they immediately think, oh, love, even if, they, if, even if it's not the word love, but they just think of, Feel how much they love you and smile a little bit and, man, can't wait to get with them and they've always been so kind to me and helpful and had my back. And Do people know you for your love or more for your fear? What are the manifestations of fear? Anger, irritation, frustration, legalism, rejection, harshness, lying, not working hard. We're supposed to work hard. If man doesn't need, he should die. Okay. If he doesn't work, he should. Eat. If he doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. And if you don't eat, you're going to die. All right. 
So the chemicals released in the brain are predominantly either neutral, which means the hypothalamus isn't going either way because it's not picking up either signal really, or success or failure. All right, and those are pretty easy to distinguish um, when you feel what you feel. A fascinating thing to me, and this, uh, uh, this research came out as they were researching what happens in the mind and body when you watch pornography. And then it was expanded to what happens in the mind and body when you imagine doing something that you believe you should not do. Like steal something, uh, tell a lie, be mean to someone, or you told a lie and now you feel like you should go back and tell the truth, but you don't because it'd be embarrassing and all that. When you imagine doing something that violates your belief system, what they found is that you get all the hormones at once. You get the oxytocin and the adrenaline. You get the peptides and endorphins and the cortisol. What does that do? It's like heroin. It's like cocaine. It's like meth. But emotionally, okay, it is a tidal wave that just demolishes you and takes away your choice for a period of time and now you're just floating along either uh, in that anger, fear, low self-worth, guilt and shame, whatever it is that you were imagining that violated your belief system. And um, all of that happens without you having even taken an outward action. So what I want you to understand is that's where this comes from. That's where Satan attacks us. He doesn't attack our body most of the time, I don't think. Maybe even can't, but he attacks our heart and mind. Getting us to imagine things that violate our conscience and we rationalize, well, I'm just imagining it, I'm not doing it. Well, I'm going to address that in a minute, how it really harms you and cause your fail, causes your failure mechanisms to go off, okay? Well, the only way to get only the positive without either the tidal wave, neutral, or the negative is to be choosing love on an ongoing basis in any and every situation of your life. Now, no one will ever do that perfectly. I certainly don't but you can do it better and better and better. And the better and better you do it, as God empowers you to do it, you can't do it on your own, your willpower is not strong enough, the love, joy, peace experience, the success experience, the great relationship experience, all of those things that make up what someone would call a great life get bigger and bigger and more and more. The more you choose fear, those things all get less and less and less, and you have more and more of the negative stuff in your life. Let's get started on this. Um, I named this emology, which to me is the science and mastery of your emotions, your feelings, your thoughts, your beliefs, kind of the inner life, okay? Health, happiness, 
and success. Everything under emology. Why did I use emology? Well, combination of the word emotions and and the the OGY, which is the study of. Okay, it's it's it is the study of your emotions, but it's also everything related to that. Thoughts, feelings, beliefs, memories, etc. Okay. Dr. Caroline Leaf, who is a friend of mine, uh, I consider her a good friend of mine. We have done a joint event together, um, spent time off stage together just talking. Uh, wonderful lady, love her book and what she does. In her best selling book, Who Switched Off My Brain, she says, You have zero mechanisms in you for the negative. Zero. None. Every mechanism is for the positive. You have about 11 macrosystems, 350 microsystems. All of them are designed for positive experience and outcome. If you're experiencing a, a continual negative, it is always a malfunction. And I don't care how many of your relatives or friends or people at church or whoever you look at and say, well, they're struggling in the same ways I am. Well, that's comforting to know you're not the only one, but they're malfunctioning too. So you're comparing yourself already to a malfunction. You shouldn't be doing that. You should compare yourself to the way the instruction book says you work, okay? And that is continually, as best you can, choosing love, which flips the success switch in the brain, etc. I did this experiment uh, a number of years ago with my son, Harry, Harry actually sort of managed it to make sure everything was done all right. I bought my wife uh, a dozen roses uh, because I love her so much. And I have to confess, because I wanted to do this experiment. I gave her the 10, I gave her 10 of them, all right? So I took two, the two that were the closest together, most alike. They're not identical, but they're close from the same grower picked on the same day. And I cut them off at the stem and put them in a clean glass of water. Then I took one glass and I thought about the most painful, bad, yucky, um, don't ever want to go through that again memory of my life that I could think of. And I really tried to be there again and really experience it like I did when it happened. For 60 seconds, 60 seconds holding the glass with that rose. Then I put it down and I never touched that glass again. Took the second glass with another rose in it, thought about the happiest, most loving uh, memory I could think of in my life, and again, really tried to marinate in it, put myself as if I were going through that again today for 60 seconds, then I put it down, and I never touched it again. After 49 hours, here's the positive memory rose, negative memory rose. See any difference? Seven days later, the negative memory rose, the positive memory rose. Um, this one had slime all over it. I've never seen 
arose with slime, yucky, sticky to your hands, slime on it, and it has big black blotches all over it. I hope you can see that on the video. First time I showed this picture, someone from the audience said, the one on the left looks like it has cancer. Well, what's my point? My point is that this is 60 seconds. This result came from 60 seconds of thinking and feeling a negative or a positive. By the way, the 10 roses that I gave Hope, she put the flower food in them that makes them last longer. At the end of seven days, this one looked far better than any of the 10 with flower food. This one, of course, looked far worse. And this, this happened in 60 seconds. By the way, this is not original with me. A number of people have done this before me. Um, the one I read about, they did it with strawberries. I recently did a workshop in Tokyo and someone uh, brought, uh, they had done it with rice at home and they brought the two rices and one was black and one was completely white with just a speck or two of dark in there. It was unbelievable, okay? So um, this is not unique to me. All right, but my question now is which of these do you want to be your liver, your gallbladder, your brain, your immune system, your gastrointestinal system? Which one? Which one of these do you want to be your children and their happiness and success in life? Well, ladies and gentlemen, this happened from 60 seconds. It's not amazing to me that even though we're living longer, we're getting sicker and sicker. More surgeries, more prescriptions, more all that kind of stuff, all right, even though we're living longer. That doesn't surprise me. What surprises me is we stay healthy for as long as we do when this can happen in 60 seconds. Well, your, you know, your, your cells and tissue are not a whole lot tougher than the rose, all right? You think it's having this kind of effect on roses outside of my body, and it's not having any kind of effect on the cells inside my body? No way, man, that, that, it doesn't work that way. The amazing thing is that we're as healthy as we are when almost everyone I meet is predominantly on the fear path in their life with the negative hormones, negative energy signals being sent out pretty constantly day to day. <clears throat> okay, I call these the seven deadly forces. All right? Um, if you knew that um, the people who live next door to you were murderers, you would probably have some discussions in your family about what to do living next to them to try to not get hurt yourself. You might even move, but you'd probably have some, okay, if this happens, what do we do? If that happens, what do we do? All right? And we're like that in our life. If we go to the doctor and he says, okay, your blood sugar's a little high, you need to watch this, you know, we do because we don't want diabetes or or, you know, your, your um, 
White count's a little low. You need to start resting more, meditating, eating better, de-stressing. And we try to do that because we don't want the results. Okay? Well, the results of these are all death. Now, maybe slow death, but still just as surely. And on the way to death, it's fear, anger, resentment, frustration, unforgiveness, low self-worth, rejection. And from that comes the health issues. Okay? Um, Professor William Tiller, chairman of the physics department at Stanford for years and a good friend of mine, says that the unseen is always the parent of the seen. The seen is never the parent of the unseen. Meaning, when you get cancer or diabetes or something like that, it didn't come from anything seen or measurable because they could have measured everything in your body and they would have found no cancer. But then one day, it got to the place where a CT would pick it up or an MRI would pick it up or a blood test would pick it up and the doctor says, oh, we need to, we, this may not be anything, but it could also be a problem. We need to check this out. We need to do uh, a biopsy or blood work or this test or that test, okay? Um, where if they had tested the same guy 30 days earlier, they would have said, nothing's wrong, everything looks normal. So. Every illness, disease, every uh, depression, anxiety, it comes from somewhere, all right? And according to the laws of physics, it comes from the unseen. Well, what's the unseen? It's your spiritual heart. It's your mind. It's your uh, generational issues. The Bible calls them the sins of the fathers passed down to the children, all right? And those become illness and disease and wrong decisions and unhappiness and broken relationships. And Now, I'm not telling you if you do what I'm telling you today, you'll never have any problems. You absolutely will, and you're supposed to. Remember, pain and suffering are the hammer and chisel God uses to bring out our best, most perfect self. So that's needed. But from a place of learning and going up to the next highest level and not repeating that, rather than what most of us do, which is day after day after day, making the same sinful, wrong, missing the mark, um, self-sabotaging decisions that keep me from my best possible life on the path of love. All right. So here's the deal. Most people I talk to are unaware that almost any of these exist. Of course, they know relationships exist, but they don't really correlate them to health very much. Most of the others, people don't even know these things exist as a problem in our life, and, and, and they are deadly. The cunning Satan done some incredible work here without ever shooting us or or beating us up in a fist fight or anything like that, but just the same causing us to choose and go toward death in our life instead of life and love and our best possible life. So we're going to go through these seven real quick, but any one of these can mess up your life. 
can take you from happy to unhappy, from healthy to unhealthy, success to either failure or making a lot of money but being miserable, and certainly broken relationships. So let's take a look at all seven briefly and then we'll move on. So let's go to the first one. You have a, a mechanism built into you called psychological adaptation. Everyone has it. And let me just tell you right off the bat, this is a miracle mechanism. All right? The way, when it works correctly, it will make you okay in any and every possible situation in six months or less. So, I don't care what you're talking about. Prison camp, death, catastrophe, um, major health scare, I don't care. Whatever it is, psychological adaptation will make you at least okay, if not really good, in any and every possible life situation. Wow, what does that mean? It means if this was working right, our hospitals would have half or less of the people in them. Addictions would not be a big deal. I mean, uh, relationships, the, the divorce rate would probably be 20% instead of 50%. I mean, it's incalculable if this one thing was working correctly in you because if, if you are okay, you don't tend to want to make a dramatic change unless it's for the better, which is always good, all right? So being okay is huge. And most people day in and, at, day, in and day out might say they're okay, but then if you ask them, okay, but what would you change if you could? What are your biggest problems? Then they tell you what they think about all the time. It's not being okay, it's these problems. And it's like the rose thing. They're thinking and feeling negative so much of the day and it's causing malfunction. All right. Psychological is so powerful that they did a study on it to just find out how powerful it is. What are the limits? And so they took two of the most extreme groups they could think of. Brand new lottery winners who were overnight multimillionaires for life, and brand new paraplegics who had just been in a horrible accident and were now crippled for life and may very well have their lifespan significantly shortened no matter what they do. They gave both groups all kinds of tests uh, physical tests for stress, galvanic skin response, pulse rate, etc. Emotional test, depression test, uh, hope for the future, contentment with their current circumstances, all kinds of stuff. And as you would guess, the lottery winners scored through the ceiling, the um, paraplegic scored through the floor. All right? Just what they thought. Two about as extreme groups of people as you'd ever find. They do no intervention at all. Six months later, they give all the same people all the same test. Results? There is now no difference in the two groups. 
The paraplegics are just as content with their life, they're just as hopeful for the future, etc., as the lottery winners. You know, I I've told this story ever since I read that study. But every time I tell this, I it's just unbelievable. And, and I even think today, while I'm saying this to you, there is no way that if that happened to me, if I became a paraplegic, I would be just as happy as if I won $100 million and never had to consider money again. There's no way. That's a, You know what? I'd be wrong. Unless my heart and mind are too full of negatives for psychological adaptation to overcome. And that's exactly what I believe has happened. That over millennia, our memories have devolved. And what the research says now, and this is very good research, and there's lots of it, and it all corroborates itself, the latest that I've seen says that about 50% of what we believe is true from our memories is not true. It's just objectively, factually not true. See, we think that our memories work like taking a video or a picture and then you just put that in the hard drive or something. No, no, no. It doesn't happen that way. What happens is filtered through all of my life experiences and memories and a lot of my ancestors' life experiences and memories until it creates that final picture of what happened, which 50% of the time is not what happened. But yet that's what I believe happened and act on it and feel based on it and hormones based on it and everything else. Okay? Well, when... Let's say um, the energy of your heart and mind, let's say that's on a continuum from minus 10 to plus 10, just to make it simple, okay? It's actually in hertz, but to make it easy, just minus 10 to plus 10, all right? What I found is that most people, the energy of their heart and mind is anywhere from negative 4 to negative 10. Now, they might never say that, but when I test them and ask them some questions and things like that, that's invariably what I get, all right? The problem is that anything, let's say, from negative 5 to negative 10, it is, it is too negative for psychological adaptation to overcome that. It can't overcome it. It's too negative. We were never intended for our heart and mind to get this negative, but we've been inclined toward evil toward our, from our youth, and then one generation's evil gets stacked on another generation's evil as sins of the fathers, and passed down, 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 until me, now today, I've got my inclination toward evil, which is an inclination to fear, Scripture says 365 times, I'm told by scholars, once for every day, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not. Love, yes. Fear, no. And that's the battle. All right? But 
Over thousands of years, our memories have devolved, become more and more fear-based as the sins of the fathers keep piling on the next generation and then they add their own stuff on top of that and we're getting sicker even though we're living longer. Okay? So what has to happen? Is there any hope? Yes. You have to, little baby step by little baby step, shift the energy of your heart and mind a little more, a little more, a little more, a little more positive. And I believe that, that the, uh, if you embrace and, and commit to and put into practice these spiritual laws that I'm going to be teaching you, that will happen just as a byproduct of, of that. You won't even have to attempt to make that happen in some other way. It'll naturally happen from, the spirit, from living the spiritual laws as best you can. Well, once that negative energy gets enough positive, let's say to negative four or negative three, then this incredible mechanism God built to make us okay in virtually any situation kicks in, goes and grabs me and says, we're pulling you over here to the positive. And now you're going to start having positive thoughts, positive feelings, positive hormones, immune system coming up to heal what needs to be healed, uh, glass half full instead of empty, and you can't stop it. As long as you keep living these spiritual principles of love, it's automatic and you don't have to make it happen and you can't stop it. Now, there may be a little bit of learning as this may be as a different way of living than you've been used to, but that's just, that's just the way anything works. Practice, repetition, okay? So that's the first one. And, and, and think about it. Isn't, that, isn't this an awesome thing to build into us? But it had to have a limit because if we're going to have the choice of fear because it's all about love and, and there can't be love without the, cho without the choice to choose fear, okay? So there has to be a place on the negative side that this would not still work because if it worked no matter how fearful we became, that's not a choice anymore. And for love to exist, you have to have choice. But you do have the choice to change how you're living that is taking away the normal functioning of psychological adaptation. Belief perseverance. Um, got a study here on that by uh, uh, Joe Klein. Another one on uh, um, social psychology. This one's called Belief Perseverance, Holding On to Discredited Beliefs. The one by Joe says, uh, is entitled How Facts Backfire. All right? And there's many other sources. But basically what psychological adaptation says is that if you have a pretty significantly held belief that you've kind of inherited or just had for a long time or it happened in relation to a trauma as a self-protective mechanism or something like that. 
If you have a belief like that, and all of us do, and you are given absolute, conclusive evidence and facts that that belief is wrong, it will cause you to believe the old wrong belief even more than you did before the conclusive facts. Isn't that incredible? How could that be? Because our mind is inclined, our heart is inclined toward evil from our youth, which makes us out of balance, which causes, uh, causes the beliefs in our heart, the wrong ones, the fear-based ones, to have priority, and every day we're creating more and more of them because of our because of, of the negativeness of the energy of our hearts and minds and memories. Uh, other research that's come out uh, recently is that, well, I'll get to that later. I'll get to that later. But anyway, um, think about that with yourself. What, what sacred cow beliefs or what beliefs you hold dear or what beliefs that you're not sure where they came from, you just kind of always believe that, which of those are wrong? Either causing you to choose the path of fear or just to keep spinning your wheels and be ineffective at having the life you want. Well, I, I would ask you to make a list of them. Get a yellow pad out and a pen and start making a list of your beliefs. All right? And then, okay, which of these beliefs may not be true, but I may be believing them because of the negative energy that gives me belief perseverance instead of being open to new truth at any time, which is one thing Solomon says, I believe in Proverbs, is always be open to new things. Always be searching. Okay? Well, some of us out of fear have not done that. And so what I believe, I believe. Uh, some of the funny ways we've seen this is like Ford or Chevy. Okay? Or, or sports teams. You know, it's interesting. You, you love your sports team and you hate another sports team. But if you move cities, if you move to a different city, you may very well start loving the team you hated and hating the team you loved. Well, they're the same team. They always were the same team. What changed? You. That's the only thing that changed. It was never that the other team was evil and your team was good. It was, it was a wrong belief. So what's the right belief? It's just, uh, I live here, I grew up in this state, so that's the team I like, but you know, that didn't mean that I'm sure there's wonderful people in all these teams, in all these companies, in all these corporations, in all this neighborhood, whatever. Just be aware. Do you have a belief perseverance thing that is keeping you from the path of love and living your best life. Alright. Okay. Experience Simulator. <clears throat> this one is really cool. 
Your experience simulator is connected to your prefrontal cortex. It's how you try something before you buy it. Okay? Before we do anything, our mind and heart immediately goes through our memories to see is that a good thing to do or not a good thing to do and how to do it or how not to do it. Okay? And all that happens sometimes without us even being consciously aware. But if it's something new we're about to do, then it will be conscious. If you're thinking about taking a job, okay, you use your experience simulator to imagine what that new job might be compared to the one you have, etc. And based on what you see in your heart and head, you decide whether to take that job or not. The problem is your experience simulator lies all the time because our hearts are so full of errors and the devolution of our memories. Okay? Um, Paul talked about this in Romans 7 when he said, what I want to do is not what I do, but what I do is what I don't want to do, and I do it over and over and over. Then he says, when this happens, it's not me doing it. Gosh, what a great statement and how that statement saved my life. He says, it's sin living in me. All right. And then he goes on. Okay. That's pretty depressing. But then he goes on. Thanks be to God who always leads us in victory through Jesus Christ. Okay. So there's a lot in there. First of all, I, I do what I don't want to do, and I don't do what I do want to do. That's because my experience simulator is full of lies, saying, yeah, go ahead and do that. It'll be fine. And then after I do it, Satan tempts me into doing it, and then he clubs me over the head for doing it with guilt and shame. All right? Or I just picture something that has really no basis in reality, and I have no way of knowing whether this will happen, this will happen, or this will happen, because, but because it feels best, I choose this imagination. I think the job will be like that, and I'm going to take it. And then you go, and you don't like your boss, and it's a horrible situation. It, it could also, you, you also could have made a, a good choice. And I would say that is more from your experience simulator, either not being too negative, or you went against that and said, okay, in love, I'm going to try to consider all aspects of this regardless of how I feel and make the best choice that I think is based on the, the most likely reality. But here's how, here's how crazy this one can get. Let's imagine a scenario. Let's say uh, Hope is out of town. And so I'm on my own for supper, and there's a big ball game coming on that I want to watch that starts in about an hour, all right? And I'm hungry. So I'm thinking about my options. I look in the kitchen, uh, look in the pantry, uh, then I think, ah, pizza sounds good. And so I, I think, um, ah, I'll go to uh, the grocery store and get my favorite brand of pizza and if everything works out right, I should be back, pizza cooked, uh, in my recliner with my drink, right when the game starts. Yeah, that sounds great. Let's, let's do it. And I used my experience simulator to do that. And I experienced, you know, getting in my car, going out, 
not any bad traffic, get in the store, get my pizza quickly, back, heat it up, yeah, basically no problems, all right? Or your experience simulator could give you problems everywhere when that's not realistic and, and, and now you're being skewed to that side. What you want is de facto truth, de facto love, the reality, the real thing. All right. So, and then this one actually happened to me. So I say, I'm going to go get a pizza. So I get in my car and it won't start. What's my reaction to that? Eh. Then I go get the battery charger, get it started. Okay, okay. Now, smooth sailing. Go out. There's bumper to bumper traffic. I mean, at a place and time where there shouldn't be any traffic. And there's no way I'm going to make it back for the ball game. And I'm bummed and angry about that. Okay. Then it starts pouring down rain. And I have made no provisions for the rain. I'm going to get soaked, which is going to be very uncomfortable. Then I can't find a parking place close. Then I step in a puddle and it splash. Then I get in there and they don't have my pizza. Then the checkout line is... is, is you know, 30 people long and they've only got two people checking out. Then there's traffic and then I step in the same mud puddle on the way back to the car and I'm soaking wet and cold and angry and wanting to cuss but I'm not cussing because I don't like to cuss and you know, and now boy I'm in fight or flight big time and I'm probably not going to calm down till bedtime if then. Hope it would take days. If, if something like that happened to her. Okay, well, what was the problem? What was the problem with that? Why did I end up upset, soaking wet? And let me tell you something that may be surprising. It had nothing to do with the circumstances. Had nothing to do with the car not starting, the rain, the traffic, not having my brand, any of that. At least nothing to do with my external circumstances had to do with my internal circumstances. I was imagining a situation that I had no factual information that was conclusive that anything close to that would happen. Now, how would my experience have been different if I said, you know what, I think I'm going to head out to get a pizza, but I have no idea if there'll be traffic or not, rain or not, parking place or not, brand or not. I don't have any idea. And, and, and so my goal is not to go and get back and be there for the start of the game. My goal is to just go and go in love, joy, peace, whatever happens. Okay? Now that is a choice that has nothing to do with what happens in your circumstances. And if I had done that, then I would have probably seen the game because I always record it before I go so I can start at the start anyway. And, you know, may have seen a couple of people I known at the, I knew at the grocery and had a very nice, kind word with them and um, would have just been fine. Listen to music, sing along with music on the way there and back, um, which I enjoy. So... So many of our day-to-day -day situations and the big things of our life are ruined because our experience simulator is giving us lies instead of the truth. Why? 
because we've chosen the fear path. And that's what you get on the fear path. Now, you might not say you've chosen it, but you have based on how you're living. Okay. Get the right one here. Okay. Availability bias. Uh, this is the best-selling book. Look how thick that is. That came out very recently on availability bias. Um, Bill Gates said, my favorite book of all time. Um, study that came out on availability bias. Actually, two. One of them is entitled, Why People Buy Lottery Tickets. Okay. And... What availability bias is, is we, we always tend to lean to the negative. Always, almost all of us, tend to have a little lean, or for some people a lot of lean, to the negative because they are on that fear path and that's tied to your survival instinct and your survival instinct doesn't care if it overreacts and ruins your day with anger or something. It only cares if it underreacts because if it underreacts, you might be dead. Okay? So it doesn't care so much if you have anger, sadness, low self-worth all day. At least that'll make you be safe and kind of protect yourself. Well, the problem is the only real fulfillment, meaning, purpose, and happiness in life is not this, but this. Okay, and you won't do this if you're afraid of the other people and of, well, availability bias causes us to lean to the negative and to take things out of context. Meaning, we're watching the news and there was a burglary and they're reporting on a burglary in someone's house that's, you know, 30 miles away in an area in a high crime area, I don't live in a high crime area or anywhere close to that, and all of a sudden I'm afraid I'm going to be robbed. Okay? Or I have that impulse. Or watching the news night after night after night after night, I didn't start being afraid to be robbed or murdered or house burned down or something else, but now after watching the news every night for years, I am afraid of it. Why? Because it's taken that out of context every night because that's all about life or death for the physical body and survival. And that's the number one job of the unconscious is to keep me physically alive. Doesn't care so much about the heart and the mind or how my day goes. All right? So availability bias. Lean to the negative and take things out of context as opposed to looking until you find and until you find a way to enact in your life the whole truth, the de facto truth, the reality, de facto love, the real thing, not fake love, which is selfish. All right. All right. Brain states. You have five brain states. Delta, Theta, Alpha, Beta, Gamma. Um, beta is the primary stress state of the brain and conscious, all right? 
The first five to eight years of life is the only time in your life you will live pretty much all the time in delta, theta, brainwave state. And it's not maybe. It's part of our hard our, our uh, hardware and software. First five to seven years of life, delta theta brainwave state. And, and we don't do that at any other time in our life. What's the, significance, what's the significance of that? If I'm in delta theta brainwave state, I do not have the ability to filter what happens. I don't have the ability to logic and reason, oh, yeah, they said that, but that's not a big deal. I don't think they meant that. Okay, so I'm not going to take that as a belief. No. First five to seven years of life, you don't have any choice whether to take things that happen and are said and that you watch as a belief. They automatically become beliefs for the rest of your life, whether they're true or not. Okay, again, this five to seven year thing, part of our survival mechanism. That's when we're most likely to get killed or die. All right, but let me give you an example. Let's say a father and a son are in the backyard uh, playing football and having a ball. I did this with both my sons and uh, just having a ball, throwing passes, tackling, you know, it's sort of pretend, but you're having fun. Uh, the kid is imagining his, he's a star player on his favorite team and all that sort of thing. And, um, and then um, mom's, mom yells from the back door, lunch is ready, come on in. All right. And so I tell George or Harry, all right, all right, all right. Fourth down, three seconds on the clock. You've got one pass, one play, one run to win the Super Bowl, okay? If you make it, you win the Super Bowl. If you don't, you lose, all right? Uh, we do things with our kids like that all the time. So George is all fired up or Harry, and, and I kick it off, and, and they start running. And before I can even get to them, and I'm going to let them get by me and score a touchdown, all right? I've already decided that. But... Before I can even get to him, he fall, he trips and falls down. And, and, and I say something and, and say it with a good tone of voice and lighthearted. George, man, you're never going to be a good football player if you stumble over your own feet. And then I go pick him up and hug him, tell him I love him, and we go to lunch. Okay? Well, is that all that happened? No. Because George was in Delta Theta brainwave state and he heard an authority figure, me, his father, who he loves and believe loves him, say these words, George, you are never going to be a good football player. All right. Now, from now on, George has a memory that says he is never going to be a good football player. And it is protected from being healed. It's from an authority figure. I mean, this could be a pretty powerful memory. Now, does that mean it's impossible for him to be a good football player? No, but it just got a lot harder. Because now, every time he runs or throws or catches or whatever it is, 
he has to go against the stress of that memory and over it and or through it and overpower it, which is not easy to do always. Okay, so probably the odds of him becoming a good football player just went down. Maybe way down, maybe a little bit down, but down. Okay, you've heard the thing it takes um, with, with kids up to about six or eight, it takes 10 positives to every negative for the positive to balance out the negative. Well, the research now is that most kids are getting 20 negatives to every positive. And even when I was growing up, it was like 10 negatives to one positive. All right. So it's no surprise that we're, for some reason, not able to do what we want to do, dream of doing, believe is possible for us, and very often, without us knowing it, it's because of memories programmed into us when we, when we were in Delta Theta brainwave state. So, what has to happen? Those memories have to be changed to the truth. And I believe that's what we're going to do with you together. Okay? The illusion of free will. Um, just a second here. Have a, a study here, Scientific American. What experts wish you knew about false memories. Here's another study in the Atlantic. There's no such thing as free will. All right, let's talk about this a minute. Up. Switched slides. The Scientific American study, um, I've never seen another study like it in my life. And I've been reading scientific uh, studies and articles for at least 30 years. And what I'd never seen before is that these researchers, it took them years to make a significant breakthrough. And after they made the breakthrough that you know, would get them awards, a raise, uh, their names in the industry journals in a good way, you know, that sort of stuff. After they made the breakthrough discovery, they had serious discussions among themselves that maybe we should never release this research to the world because it would be so harmful to the world that it might be irreparable. That's unbelievable. Now they decided to go ahead and publish it, but evidently they had serious conversations about not. Why? Because basically the research found that you are operating a lot more like a puppet on a string than a person with free will choice 
where you have the willpower to do what you want to do or not do what you don't want to do. That that really doesn't exist very often these days. So they were afraid that people would become hopeless and commit suicide or just lay on the couch all the time or become despondent and that depression would skyrocket and who knows what else might happen from that, okay? Um, National Geographic uh, released a special edition and, and the feature study was that same information from Scientific American what National Ge uh, the, the name of the special edition for National Geographic is the Owner's Manual for the Brain. I've got it in my office here somewhere, but I couldn't find it um, this morning. But I've got it. And uh, the feature study in there is a study where they found that approximately one second before you make any significant decision and significant is a wide range. It's not just life or death kind of things. It's, it's really anything you consider significant. And when you consider that taking out the garbage to a lot of people is significant or not, um, this could be almost any decision you make, all right? But one second before any significant decision, there's an electrical spike in the brain. They trace that back, and what they found is that the electrical spike is your unconscious mind, or what I believe Solomon called the spiritual heart, which Genesis says is inclined toward evil from youth. It's the unconscious mind mandating what your decision will be. Wow. And then... With our conscious mind, we rationalize as to why we made that choice because we need to feel like we have a reason or we'll, or we'll, go, we'll feel like we'll go insane. So with logic, we come up with a rationality. But according to the research, that's not why you did it. You did it because your unconscious mandated it. Well, if your unconscious is predominantly in fear mode, fear energy like most people's is these days, because of the devolution of our memories and these sins of the fathers getting piled onto each subsequent generation and then they add their own and pass it on. Because of that, your unconscious mandates a fear-based decision. At least a lot of the time, too much of the time. Okay, is there a way that can be fixed? Yes, with the truth and love. And I'm going to show you how to do it. Oh, and by the way, um, another Scientific American article. Um, Neuroscientists were able to plant false memories into mice that functioned not only like a valid memory, but as the default go-to memory. All right? And after some of that kind of research, um, they came out with another 
article, Scientific American, saying the era of memory engineering has arrived. Which means we can heal, we can change what's in the heart with choosing spiritual principles, love, truth. But 99 out of 100 people that I experience are not living that way, even if they say they are or say they're trying to. When you actually look at what they're believing and doing, they're not. Okay. And then the last one. Oh, and by the way, um, a, one, a wonderful study on that last one, the... Uh, last one that we looked at, which was the illusion of free will. Um, this is a wonderful article and study where, if you can see the headline here, paraplegics are learning to walk again with virtual reality. What they found is that when a paraplegic has their accident, they no longer have a memory or picture of how to walk. And if through virtual reality they download pictures of how to walk, they're having paraplegics starting to walk again, have feeling in their legs, all kinds of stuff. And, and the only thing they're doing is giving them a new memory picture of how to walk. Okay? Showing you how powerful that is. Okay, last one. Relationships. I already told you about how the hypothalamus in the brain is always scanning for fear or love or neutral. And that's how it decides what to do as far as the chemicals of your body and the energy signals sent to every cell. Okay? Well, there is no love outside of relationships. It doesn't exist. And that's relationship with others, with God, with yourself. You can have a relationship with an animal, um, maybe a plant, whatever. But outside of the context of relationship, love does not exist. The absence of love is fear. What does that mean? It means that the decision-making portions of my brain for everything that determines whether I feel um, love, joy, peace, or fear, anger, low self-worth is whether my memories, my programming, my conscious choices are love-based or fear-based, which means every issue you could ever have in your life, any issue you could ever have in your life, boils down all the time, 100%, to relationship. So you need to be asking yourself, you know, which of the relationships in my life need work because that's one of the fastest ways to get your hypothalamus to start pulling the success switch and turn off the fear switch. And then there may be some in your unconscious or from your generations, the sins of your fathers, that you don't even know about that can only be healed by healing that unconscious memory by 
infusing love, joy, peace, and a conscious choice and commitment to love as my path. And I'll never do it right, but I'm never going to give up either. Okay? Um, I told you I've been um, studying relationships for, I mean, uh, scientific articles for over 30 years. This is a front page of USA Today that I picked up in an airport. And you see the bottom uh, article on the front page. To live longer, fight less, study suggest. Well, that's a terrible headline for this article because that's not what's most important about this article. And as soon as I saw it, it just stunned me. It's a very well done study over many, many years. And what they found is that if you have actual relationships or memories of relationships that have conflict and stress in them, you are 300% more likely to get an illness or disease and die death by middle age, not old age, by middle age, okay, 300%. Flip that upside down, if your actual relationships and memories of relationships are love, joy, peace, and harmony, not stress, balance, you're 300% more likely to not get an illness or disease and to live happily and healthily till old age. Um, typically, in these kind of studies, if, they're, if they find a 20% increase over what has been the status quo, that's big news. 50% headline news. 100% unheard of. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a 300% difference on whether you live or die, get sick or not based on your relationships and your relationship memories, which is exactly what the Harvard Grant study found. It's the longest, most expensive study ever done on the human condition. It was done on the campus at Harvard over 75 years. Here's the study. See how thick it is? Turned it into a book. Cost, I believe, don't hold me to this, but I believe it was over $20 million in addition to the 75 years. Um, and, that, and that's what they were researching. What is the key? What is the secret? What is the common thread of the human condition? What's most important? And the conclusion that cost them $20 million, 75 years, and this is a direct quote by Dr. George Valiant, the caretaker of the study at Harvard, and this is a, his words, not mine. Happiness equals love, full stop. Full stop meaning end of discussion. That's it. We don't need, we don't need to discuss anything else. If you want happiness, in your life, and if you read it, it's not just happiness, it's health, success, whatever. If you want happiness, only comes from one place, the love path.
I think that's where Satan has done some of his greatest lying. Because when I've been tempted in my life to do something that violates my conscience or the Bible or the leading of the Holy Spirit, it's usually been the fear-based thing. Uh, lust, um, uh, um, impure thoughts, thinking negative things about people, gossip, uh, lying, uh, stealing. I remember stealing that candy bar out of the five and dime when I was like five years old and I felt like I was going to explode. Okay. Well, I thought that candy bar is going to give me happiness or the lust is going to make me feel good for a while. Or the, and it's almost always like that. All right. It is a total lie. That will lead maybe momentary something feeling good, but long-term, and long-term probably starts in minutes, fear, anxiety, sadness, hopelessness, helplessness, unforgiveness, uh, bad identity and worth of myself, shame, regret, on and on and on, okay? On the other hand, the love path produces not only happiness, but your absolute best possible life. So, those are the seven deadly forces. And all you need is one to mess up your life. How many are operating in you, causing you to malfunction and experience not your best possible life, not happiness, love, and success, not what God intended, but what the person who hates you and wants to hurt you more than anyone else is getting you to do by tricking you. Well, I'm going to try to take you on a journey where you can fix all of these. You can heal the sin living in me, those memories with lies in them that create our beliefs that are wrong and stress and from that comes everything else. So um, we'll be starting, um, I believe the next step is we're going to go to the very first and I would say probably most important, at least to me, spiritual law of nature.